Queen. Dr. Quinn? Yes, hi. Hi, how are you? This is Catherine McQueen from Commerce Connections.tv. First of all, can you please again state your name and what organization you're affiliated with? Sure. Uh, This is Dr. Thomas Quinn with Johns Hopkins University and the National Institutes of Health. Uh, I want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to uh, interview with you. Uh, My first question is, in regards to circumcision and uncircumcision, what role does the circumcision or uncircumcision play in the HIV and AIDS infection? Well, it's very clear now. Three randomized trials done in sub-Saharan Africa have shown that men who are circumcised have a decreased susceptibility to HIV infection. Let me restate that a different way. That is that men who are uncircumcised are actually more susceptible to getting HIV infection. I see. And so now would you say that um, this practice or this controversy that has been a religious uh, uh, controversial uh, um, uh, ongoing question about circumcision, would you say that now they're finding out that uh, maybe they've been correct all along about circumcision or not? Well, it, it, there's a lot of scientific evidence now that is, is it's really coming along in more recent times that um, male children that are circumcised uh, at birth or shortly thereafter have decreased urinary tract infections. They have decreased uh, superficial infections, what we call phimosis. And they also have decreased uh, uh, HPV or human papillomavirus infections, which is all beneficial to the woman that they ultimately might have sexual intercourse with. That they they seem to be the circumcised men seem to uh, be um, one less susceptible to getting infections and therefore less transmissible of those infections to their female partners. In fact, women who have been married to circumcised men have the lowest rates of cervical cancer compared to women who are married to uh, uncircumcised men. So circumcision does have a definite benefit, but because it is surgery, it does carry some risks. The controversy about circumcision will continue for some time because of this risk-benefit ratio. Is it worth the risk of surgery to decrease these public health benefits? I think it is. Others do not. And I think the controversies are going to continue as to whether when a, a couple have to make a decision should I circumcise my young child well for some religions that's almost automatic but if you're not of that religious belief then it's really a public health decision whether you uh, work to with your physician to to go ahead and circumcise or not to I see. so it becomes a very personal choice I see. Now, would you recommend that females, uh, I guess, abstain from having uh, intercourse or relationships with men who are uncircumcised? 
Oh no 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 no! no absolutely, I, I uh, women can have intercourse with circumcised men or uncircumcised men. Uh, absolutely, I think the the keys here is obviously if uh, they you know if they're young uh, women, obviously abstinence is key. A monogamous relationship is obviously key, and if. You're having sex with a man, whether he's circumcised or not. Make sure it's safe sex and use a condom uh, to prevent transmission of these infections. The condom's a hundred percent protective. Circumcision is not one hundred percent protective. So even if you're circumcised or having sex with a circumcised male, you still should have him use a condom. I see. Now, if a male has been diagnosed with HIV or AIDS and is uncircumcised, would it still be recommended that he have the circumcision procedure? No. There are, is no evidence yet to show uh, from any trials that an uncircumcised HIV-infected man should get circumcised to decrease his infectiousness. The best way he's going to prevent transmission to anyone is to wear a condom whenever he has intercourse. I see. Now, now, um, are are the circumcisions that are done today are they being performed correctly to your knowledge? Uh, oh, obviously, uh, in the United States, Europe, anywhere where there is good medical practice, they are being done safely um, and and appropriately. Now, in Africa, throughout the sub-Saharan Africa, particularly in the rural areas, these data about the protectiveness of circumcision is, is brand new. It's only six months old. Um, and so we need to scale up uh, the appropriate circumcision procedures. People need to be trained to know how to do them right. So there's going to be a lag uh, in time to to make sure they're going to be done safely uh, everywhere. So in some areas, the developed world, they are safe. Um, but in the developing world in Africa, we need to scale up the uh, procedures and get the people trained as soon as possible. I see. Now, there have been some mothers who have sent us questions uh, and comments saying that they felt that their child had been circumcised incorrectly, meaning that when the child was maybe two years old, they started to notice that the the head of the penal area would fall back into, you know, up into the um, the, uh, the the I guess you call the rear part of the, the penal area or the the foreskin. Well, not the no, not they the would, foreskin. Yeah. They would be circumcised. Mm-hmm. But but what happens is they were noticing that the child at about two years old, if they they set the wrong way, that the head of the penis would retract back up into the rest of the penal area. Okay. Hmm. So now now can you tell what is 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 the problem there, or what should the person or the parent have? Um, you know, what should they where should they go to find out what's going on here? Absolutely, they should uh, take the child to a pediatrician to be examined if they're concerned about that. And and I can't comment on on all of the circumcision procedures that are done, but a pediatrician should be able to assess whether they're, you know, 
is anything wrong or not, or whether this is just part of the uh, the growth uh, phase and and is not something to be concerned about. So my recommendation: don't second guess it. Get get your child over to a pediatrician and have it examined. Okay. Now we have two more questions, and we're going to wrap this up. Now let me ask you this: in regards to the foreskin, what about that may uh, cause a person who is uncircumcised to carry more diseases or be able to be susceptible to more uh, infections. What is it about that skin? Well, it's interesting. There's an, um, there, there are studies still ongoing to try and understand why this small amount of skin, this foreskin, um, which is quite natural for the man to have, you know, why does it increase susceptibility to these infections? And part of it is that what a lot of people don't realize is that underneath the foreskin is a lot of what we call um, susceptible epithelia. We call it mucosa. Mm -hmm. And it's not like normal skin. The external part is like external skin, and that obviously provides a good, safe barrier to infections, except for something like herpes, which is going to break through that, or syphilis. But for HIV, HIV can't get through the intact skin. Underneath the foreskin is the ACE is this susceptible uh, layer of, um, again, we call it mucosa. It's much like vaginal epithelium. So they're they're very similar. And that allows certain infections that are normally, you know, cannot get through intact skin to get through those single cell layers. So a lot of the infections women can get, uncircumcised men can get. So this bacterial vaginosis that a lot of women get, we call it BV. Well, it looks like uncircumcised men can carry those bacteria and transmit it, whereas the circumcised man can't do that. Um, So there's, there's still studies trying to understand that, but it is clear that this this mucosa that I keep calling and I apologize there's no other real term layman's term for it but it's just called mucosa much like vaginal lining of tissue uh, is the susceptible part of the foreskin when you cut that off at, at birth or at some time you know during childhood you remove that susceptible skin uh, or mucosa I should say mucosa and that prevents the man from carrying those infections or getting infected himself. I see. Okay, Dr. Quinn, last question. What would a person look for or what signs or symptoms should they notice in the foreskin uh, in regards to infections or HIV and AIDS? What should they first, what would they notice or what would be the signs and symptoms of anything that should bring them to the doctor? Really, for HIV, nothing. You can't, you know, once HIV gets in there, uh, it's not going to cause any symptoms. It's going to replicate and then move to the lymph nodes ultimately. But it doesn't so it do won't any. Show. It won't show. Anything. It won't show. You can't look at it and say, oh, well, my foreskin looks great, so therefore I'm not HIV infected. Okay. Um, yeah, you. It, you really cannot physically detect that. The only way you can really, um, you know, I think every um, 
individual who's had a high-risk exposure to someone should should be tested for HIV at least uh, once a year. Um, and the only way you are tested is through a blood test. You can't do it by looking at the foreskin. Now, some people, when they get other infections like herpes or syphilis or, you know, this trichomonas, things of these other infections, they may cause a little either ulceration or discharge um, around the foreskin. So if a man does notice he has some fluid there that is not normally there or it burns or it hurts when it's pulled back, then then they should go get checked as well. But HIV is not going to cause any problems. You can't tell um, without a blood test. I see. And so for other uh, STIs, they wouldn't notice anything in the foreskin either? They often do, like gonorrhea and chlamydia, don't do anything to the foreskin. That's all in the urethra, uh, where they urinate the middle part of the penis. Okay, and then for the senior population who are, who are sexually active, mm-hmm. uh, for men of, of you know our age range, 50 to 60 years and older, would you recommend if they're sexually active of uh, you know be, be, uh, having the uh, circumcision procedure? Well, even in Africa, we didn't circumcise anyone over 49, so I can't really say for the seniors whether it's going to be beneficial or not. Okay. Um, you know, because the risk, as you get older, the risk in healing after the surgery is a little bit slower than in a younger man or, or a boy. So I would say there the risk-benefit ratio starts to get tilted, and you might get into more risk than you do benefit. So right now I'm not recommending it to seniors. All right, and thank you so much, Dr. Quinn. And you if bet. You would- if you would be so kind as to leave your information, your email information with uh, Noel, and we will send you a copy of this taping. Great. Thanks very much. Thank you, Bob.